This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, how does a bowl of deep fried fish skin chips sound to you? Barry Enderwick, TikTok star and sandwich historian, is also an expert in potato chips. We hear about the amazing flavors he's tried from all around the world and why the snack is so beloved. Do we need to accept that we will never have all the answers to the universe? On the world of weird things, Greg Fish tells us why we should care about the shape of the universe and why we can't actually seem to figure out what it all looks like. We also have good news calls from across Canada on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. Every single Tuesday night, Wednesday morning, we have this very special day, our favorite day of the week. We like to call it Good News Tuesday-ish. Good news, everyone. It's about time for some good news. Oh, 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 yeah. Tell me something good. Look up for some good Tell me something good, 877-399-9898. That's the phone number for Good News Tuesday-ish, no matter how big or how small. Example, good news, I have no need or desire for a passport. Well, that is going to come in really handy, or lack of good news, lack of need. It's going to come in really handy for you because the weights are terrible. Good news, I so enjoyed relaxing in the cool, fresh air this early evening with no heat wave in sight. Also, I was delighted not to be bitten by any mosquitoes. That's a win-win for me. Earlier conversation with Ben O'Hara Byrne about the mosquitoes. You check out his podcast if you didn't hear it. I'm Shane Hewitt. I am in Calgary. So is Ryan O'Donnell. Brendan Kelly is in downtown Vancouver. Let's go to, um, hmm, let's go to Deanie in Winnipeg. Hi, Deanie. What's your good news? Hi. So you did kiss the Blarney Stone after all. Well, I'm not sure there's a lot of Blarney Stone kissing happening, first of all, um, these days. Uh, maybe there is. Maybe they sanitize it. Uh, but it's uh, it was it's down in Cork, right? And it's down in the... I didn't go that far. <laughs> I don't blame you. Uh, they don't sanitize that thing. Uh, <laughs> anyways, my good news is, well, it started out with bad news. There was a massive fire in my condo. And I've been living out of a hotel for five months now. We don't know if they're going to demolish or not. But yeah. so we've been subsisting, even with insurance, on like bologna sandwiches and kind of crap food. And I kept getting this weight and weight. And I didn't know what was wrong with me. My hormones gone wrong. Is it the bologna I've been eating? I must have broke 200 pounds. I've never been this fat before, and I was so destitute and so upset with myself. So I live, uh, I'm near a hospital, so I just walked into the ER to weigh myself, right? And? Thinking for sure I broke the 200 threshold, right? Yeah. At 5'6". Yeah. Got on the scale, I was 175. Good for you. So you did it. I couldn't believe it. I was dancing out the door. Good for you. But I got a really good dad joke that hopefully will cheer up Steve, Nighthawk Steve. All right, sure. Well, it's Good I'm News Tuesday. I, okay. What's that? All right. I think absolutely. It's a Good News Tuesday, so why not a little good news in the form of a dad joke? Okay. How do you catch a bra thief? How do you catch a bra thief? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. With a booby trap. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> did that pass or did I get bleeped out? <laughs> no, no, you're good. That'll uh, that'll pass. There's a lot worse than that on the show. Dini, thanks so much. And, hey, you know, keep moving. The secret is keep moving. Even though you're stuck in the hotel and you're dealing with all that negative, keep moving, and that, uh, that weight will stay off you. Good news. Thanks for sharing, buddy. It's Dini in Winnipeg right there, 877-399-9898. There you go. See, there you go, Nighthawk Steve. We've got some jokes. Jokes coming at you. Some good news for Nighthawk Steve via text message. He's able to join with all of us shift heads listening to everything you boys do and all the work that you put in, putting it all together for us nightly from Sticks. Uh, there you go. Thank you very much, Sticks. It's very kind to us and kind to Steve. Uh, Nighthawk Steve uh, openly uh, shared with us that he's having a hard time seeing the good news today. So why not, right? 877-399-9898. What is your good news here for Good News Tuesday-ish? My good news, texter Glennie says, my son David presented me with an extra ticket to see Roger Waters next week at the Scotia Center in Toronto. How amazing is that? Glennie, 
Amazing. Good kid. Probably your favorite now, right? You have to call uh, David your favorite. Good News Tuesday. Also in Winnipeg, we have Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Go on. Good. Thank you very much. How are you doing? You've had some good luck here as part of your good news. I, I have. It's been um, over a year ago. Um, in May of 2021, I was stopped. Um, I was driving my elderly mom to her medical appointment and saw a flashing siren behind me. And I'm like, this is in their residential community. And I didn't know why I was being pulled over. And the officer said I had failed to stop at the stop, four-way stop just a few minutes earlier. And I, I, I drive this road every day for years, for 40 years. And I'm like, I know I stopped. And he was like, really not very nice, to be honest. And, and it was a stressful time in this pandemic. I was, I'm, a, I'm a health care professional and I'm taking care of my elderly mom. And I just said, you know, I have a great driving record. Could you just give me a warning? You know, I wasn't going to argue with him. And he's like, no, I'm not allowed to give warnings. I'm like, okay. So he gives me the ticket. And we have a group, a Facebook group in Winnipeg that gives support to how to challenge tickets. Because I'm like, I know I stopped. I didn't blow the stop sign. And so they just said, don't plead, plead not guilty and challenge it. So I did. And, you know, this was back in August. I spoke, heard nothing. And then May, I received a court hearing. So I was going to have to appear in court next mm-hmm. week. And I, he said, just request that the officer's there. And I had some points to challenge it. And I called today to say I want the, the officer there because he basically lied about that he can't give a warning because he can. And they threw it out. I didn't, wow. They said, we're, we're going to dismiss it and you don't have to appear in court. And it was just, it's so awesome because the corruptness that exists in the court system is disturbing, actually. And, you know, you're well, basically... I'm gonna, actually, I'm going to stop you there, Aaron, because I can't. we can't say something like that without having to back it up. And, um, you know, it's, it's Good News Tuesday, and uh, I appreciate your ticket, but I can't have you take Good News Tuesday and talk about corruption in a court system without any evidence of corruption. And, and here, and I'm not saying anything like this to, to climb on you for your good news by any, by any means. But what I, I would like uh, you to consider is that there's a police officer. Uh, there's no, not necessarily any story behind it. Whether that person lied to you on purpose, made a mistake, or was just trying to be, had a bad day and was being a jerk. The um, the court system actually served you uh, in this case. So the court system, you try, challenged in the court system. So I would twist it the other way and say, in fact, that with a police officer that may not have had a great day and wasn't very nice to you, um, the court system actually served you. So um, I do appreciate your call, and I appreciate all that stuff too. So um, that is good news. Thank you very much, Aaron in Winnipeg. And you know what, Aaron? I think you set a really great example of how – uh, if you do want to seek help with a situation like that, you can reach out to people that have more experience, Facebook groups and whatever. I think, Aaron, that's really, really great. If you truly believe you did not blow that stop sign, and uh, good for you for standing up for yourself. That is absolutely good news. And there are groups that will help you out with that. So thank you very much, Aaron, uh, for that uh, call right there, 877-399-9898. Let's go to a story out of the Okanagan in Kelowna. A woman is getting said to become one of the f- oldest people to swim across the Okanagan Lake also while raising money for a good cause. Now, I could swim across Okanagan Lake probably at the skinniest point at the very, very end where it just right by a river, like, and then it just like, it's like this side to that side. It's like you could, it's kind of, you could probably throw a rock that far. This lady is doing it properly and actually swimming across Okanagan Lake and setting records for it too. Jasmine King explains her recent 90th birthday isn't slowing her down. Connie Stamhus moved to Canada in her 20s, studied nursing in her 40s, started swimming in her 60s, and swam for the first time across the Okanagan Lake in her 80s. She recently celebrated a milestone birthday and is planning to take the journey across the lake once again. I just thought of it simply because nobody of 90 has swam across the lake. This year's swim will be different for Connie. She is trying to raise $10,000 for Doctors Without Borders after all the work they've done during the pandemic and with the war in Ukraine. It's the medical staff that has has been just been overworked and it's been so hard for them that I figured, well, I just, I can do something, I hope. (laughs) Yeah. 
This will be the seventh time Connie will swim across the Okanagan Lake, and she's been training multiple times a week at her local swim club to get prepared. She says it takes a lot of work to be fully ready. You can't just cold turkey do this. Of course, the lakes, swimming in the lake is quite different. Um, and you have currents and waves and it's colder and all that sort of thing. The swim takes place July 16th. It starts on the West Kelowna shore then ends here at Hot Sands Beach. Jasmine King, Global News, Kelowna. All right, everybody, hands up. Who thinks they can swim across Okanagan Lake? Uh, nobody. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, maybe if you put a cheeseburger on the other side and I was really hungry. My like for Ryan, if you had like a Star Wars Lego set on the other side, he might be able to make it. That would very be cool. Yeah, yeah, that'd make it. That yeah, get I'd you do there. it. Hundred yeah. percent. They could actually use a helicopter and dangle it in front of me. I'd be like a dog All chasing a toy, and it would work. Hundred <laughs> percent. Especially if it was that Optimus Prime Lego set. I still want. If anybody's <laughs> taking notes. <laughs> Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Michelle in Port Coquitlam, BC. My good news. I ordered a freezer from Best Buy today. Christmas in July sale. Free delivery. And it's coming tomorrow. Wee smiley face thumbs up emoji. Very cool. I love it. Um good stuff, Michelle. I've been thinking about it, but I don't want to have too much stuff in the house, you know? That's the thing, is I've only got the fridge freezer. And it gets really, really full, and I wish I had more room so I could stock up on things when it's on sale and stuff, especially now with the price of food. But I'm just looking at everything going, God, so expensive. All right, we've got Ann in Surrey. Hi, Ann. Hi, Shane. If you want a small freezer, a lot of people get a bigger freezer, and then they sell a smaller one. That's actually a very good point of view. Thank you very much. I like that. So my story um, happened back in 2014. It's an old good news story, I guess. Um, right. I I was uh, I one day my right leg went bright red all the way from the toes all the way up. Looked like a sunburn. Didn't bother me at all. My doctor didn't know what to make of it, but he put me on antibiotics and it got rid of it. And then two days later, I lost use of both legs. And then. Wow. Uh, the next day, my legs were fine. I lost use of my arms and my hands. Couldn't do anything. So then uh, everybody was saying, go to, go to the hospital. And I was a bit stubborn. I should have gone then. But so uh, the next day, hey, my by the way, were... Ann, just so you know, when your arms and legs go numb and they're fully red top to bottom, everybody's going to tell you you should go to the hospital. In fact, the indicators were probably quite a while before that. Not that you oh, yeah. need to hear it from me, but we all want you to be okay. So don't be stubborn. <laughs> I was told. They they never went bright red. I just lost use of them. So then the and you day, lost use of your limbs, and you didn't go to the like. You're like, man, I'll be fine. I'll just walk it I've off. In, I've been in the hospital before. I didn't want to go back. Right, I know I was right. I, I was pretty stupid. So the next day, <laughs> my arms and hands were fine, and my face hurt. So I thought, okay, I better go in. So I went in. They said, you have one day to live. Good thing you came because it's a blood infection, and it's heading for your brain, and then you'll be dead. So I had like one day to live. So I was hospitalized and um, my daughter had just become a nurse. And she told me, you're going to be hospitalized for three or four months because uh, um, I had to lie there for like two months at first and then get rehab. And I was very heavy. And um, she said, if you don't lose weight, you're not going to be able to do the rehab very well. So I got really, really good at losing weight. And I argued with them because they said, oh, at your weight, you have to do uh, way more calories, and I said, no, I'm just going to be 1,500 calories, and I had a, a new mindset about food, and I lost um, 100 pounds in two months, and then I went to Peace Arch for my rehab, and I lost some more, and over um, a two-year period, I lost the rest of, at one time, I'd lost some weight, so I, I lost a total of 300 pounds, and I told them, cool. um, yeah, there's kind of two two parts to the story and I told a lot of doctors that um, I had this mosquito bite at the very top of my leg the right leg that had gone all red and I was scratching it a lot and I said I'm pretty sure that's how oh no they said no no they they my daughter says they probably just didn't want it on the media and get everybody scared about mosquitoes I, I do need you to kick it into high gear for me a little bit Ann, just for the sake of time okay any anyways um yeah that that's that's basically I, I could have been bad 
Wow. <laughs> well, we're yeah. glad you're not dead. Um, absolutely. <laughs> the, the gratitude every day. How often do you think about that? And do you think about it, you know, all the time? Do you go back to that and think about that stubborn moment and go, boy, that wasn't good? I need to think about it a lot because I've put back some of the weight. Not not a lot, uh, but some. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, we all do that, ups and downs. And thanks for the call. Appreciate it. I'm glad you're okay. Thank you. And and in Surrey right there, uh, if you lose control, just to take away, if you don't have use of your arms and legs, that's that's the good that's the good tipping point to call the doctor. Just saying. And even says so. Eight seven seven three nine nine ninety eight ninety eight. Uh good news, Tuesday ish after two, eight and a half plus three hours in the air, Shane is on the air, Ron and Poco. Uh, thank you very much, Rod. We were here last night, too. And uh, d- just so you know, I actually flew direct. It was seven and a half hours direct from Dublin to Calgary. It's, like, longer to go through Toronto plus the extra four hours. So appreciate that, and thank you for the kindness, uh, Ron. If you ever get a direct flight on those, just so you know, that's the way to go. Learned that lesson on this trip. Chris is in Hamilton. Good news Tuesday-ish. What's your good news, Chris? Hey, long-time listener, uh, first-time caller. Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> and, uh, Glad you're calling yeah, in. I listen- I listen to you guys uh, every single night. I come home from work. Uh, it's uh, kind of a religious thing for me now. But uh, nice. I'm taking my first week of vacation uh, this year, and I got one more day of work. And then I got because uh, I only work Monday to Thursday, so I got a nice uh, week, about ten, eleven days stretch. So I'm nice. looking forward to spending some time with the family and maybe take the kid to. I got a two year old uh, son. Maybe we'll take him to a zoo or something like that. We we're thinking about so. So you're in? Are you in Hamilton, or are you just close to Hamilton? I, I live in on the mountain. On the mountain. Okay, cool. So where are you yeah. going to? Uh, what's the plan? Staycation style? What? Do you, what's What's going on in Southern oh. Ontario for you? That's going to be exciting. I, I would love to do some fishing, and uh, I think I have some friends over for a nice little backyard barbecue, sit by the fire ordeal, and and uh, take the little guy out to maybe some boat rides or. Uh, or to that petting zoo. I think it's around here as a local, small local zoo or something like that. My wife was mentioning nice. to me, so yeah, I'm looking it. forward to that. So cool. Well, hey Chris, thanks yeah. for uh, thanks for listening to the shift, and thanks for uh, having the courage to call in and share that story. I love it. It's great, great contribution right. for Good News Tuesday. All right, thank you. Thanks, brother. Enjoy your time. This is the Shift Podcast. We're bringing back our buddy Barry Anderwick here on the shift. We had Barry on about a month or so ago talking about sandwiches, the history of sandwiches. Turns out Barry loves potato chips and uh, in the chips with Barry. Instagram and TikTok, Barry, you're on both? I'm on both. I'm also available in YouTube and Facebook flavors. Oh, flavors. <laughs> potato chips, you love them. What What the heck? Like You've somehow turned this into a, a side gig, side hustle, kind of a job thing, but not really your job. And um, and yet, uh, probably the best excuse ever to eat potato chips on a regular basis. Well, first of all, job implies I'm getting paid, which is really yep. not the case. But um, <laughs> yeah, the potato chips are really, they're such a great vehicle to deliver different flavor combinations. Uh, if you think about it, they're pretty neutral. They do have, a, obviously, there's a potato flavor, but it just plays nicely with so many different types of sweet, savory uh, combinations, uh, uh, really sharp, like salt and vinegar chips. Mm-hmm. So it's just a really good flavor delivery device. Hmm. Flavor delivery device. <laughs> that is the most logical square analysis of a potato chip. Yeah, you're welcome. It makes sense, though. Yeah, yeah. it does make sense. Um, yeah. But you do this. I mean, you do have more because you've got your cooking and you love the food. Um, you, you've you got ice cream. You do have beer as well. You're a big fan of the, the beer. And then, of course, the history of sandwiches. I mean, uh, this must be a tough one to, to, to slide by the doctor, though. I mean, you haven't – it's not like you've got, hey, here's the best f- fruit salad. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? True, yeah. Like, you haven't picked the, the best ones – Today we're rating the leafy greens. No, that's not what I'm doing. But um, up until probably a year ago, I was an avid runner. Um, So I I do check in with my doctor. I make sure that I'm not running afoul in the uh, cholesterol and blood pressure departments. Um, And I do intend to get back to running. It's just I had an injury that threw me off for a little bit. Um, But I I also try to like keep it balanced before the pandemic it was quite easy for me to take extra chips like I, chips that i would review and bring them into places that i was consulting because i wasn't working full-time at the uh, uh, at, a, at one place i was doing consulting and i could take them into companies that i was uh, working for and say here try these chips and then i would right. eat them all 
Uh, during the pandemic, that kind of changed. So I've had to be a little bit more disciplined about. You're like me. You yeah. put on your COVID-19 pounds. I did. Yes. Yeah. Well, we all did. And uh, so that must be the hard thing. You know, we've never talked about that part, Barry, is that the um, the food lover part mm-hmm. of uh, being a food lover. And I mean, you've got to be true to yourself as a food lover. I mean, it, there are many people and I have a friend actually who um, has food as sort of the addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has to weigh her portions and, and everything every day. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you know, the craft beer part. Or maybe yeah. if you're a whiskey lover, you've got to be able to self-discipline and to be able to be true to yourself and enjoy these things. Absolutely. Um, that must be tough. Um, it, it is. It could be tough. I don't know. Like like I said, with the potato chips, I tend to give them away. Um, so I don't eat the entire bag of chips, but I do taste them. Uh, with the sandwiches, I try to kind of figure out how that fits into the rest of the day. First of all, I only make half sandwiches because I got tired of uh, throwing out the other half a sandwich if I didn't like it. So I didn't Mm. like that food waste. Um, And then, you know, I just sort of build the rest of what I eat in the day around that half sandwich. So it's like, okay, well, this half sandwich is white bread and peanut butter and bacon. Okay, so clearly I'm going to need different stuff for for breakfast and for dinner. Um, And same with, you know, like potato chips, ice cream. I just sort of like balance that out. I don't do craft beer reviews, but maybe I, I'll, I'll have a, a beer or two on the weekend. Mm. Um, uh, ice cream I do sporadically. So I try to to make sure that I'm not endangering myself and my health by forcing uh, forcing video, forcing myself to make videos uh, frequently or, or too frequently, I should say. Mm-hmm. Well, because and here's baby spinach videos are only so exciting. So, <laughs> yeah, nobody likes the uh, nobody likes nobody likes broccoli videos. That's not fun on the internet. All right. Yeah. In the chips with Barry is a great place to go for this particular topic anyway. There are so many different flavors of potato chips on here that you have tasted, reviewed, chatted about. Um, you've even added on the, can you put it in a sandwich as a flavor? Uh, yeah, tell me about that, is- that part because we, we've already had the conversations. Our, our audience is going to remember you from the, the history of sandwiches. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's an interesting review to say, you know, by the way, this can be an ingredient as opposed to like I breaded recently breaded chicken breasts with salt and vinegar chips and oven baked them. Um, right. And so I, I didn't like that particular chip by the time it was done, but okay. I did like the, the idea of it and how it tasted. So, yeah. you know, these can be an ingredient too. Absolutely. I use uh, chips to, to plus up sandwiches over in sandwiches of history quite a bit um, because it, it does add a certain texture, a certain flavor, a little bit of saltiness. And um, uh, the the Canet sandwich, which you're referencing on in the chips with Barry that I do every Saturday, that started as a result of me learning about Tato cheese and onion crisps from Ireland. Um, and folks from Ireland were like, oh, you got to try these. You got to try these. And if you do this, you got to make the, the crisp uh, sandwich. I'm like, OK. And I tried it. And it was the combination of the cheese and onion and the potato with the Kerrygold butter was just brilliant. I thought, I've been missing out. So I'm going to try this with all the chips. So every week, the chips that I review during the week, I put them between two slices of bread buttered with a uh, carry gold and see if they can sandwich. And, you know, sometimes they're, they're better uh, with the fat and the butter bringing out more of the flavor than they are on their, on their own. Sometimes they're just terrible as on their own and terrible in a sandwich. So were you just like a hobby food guy or did you do t- cooking classes or how did you fall into it? No, I'm just, I, you know, growing up, uh, unfortunately my mom was, not a great cook. Um, and she would admit as much as she could. Um, her idea of cooking asparagus was uh, open the freezer, tear open the bag, grab a stick of butter, put them both in a dish and microwave it for 10 minutes. Mm. So it came out gray, stringy and terrible. Sounds um, lovely. Yeah. So it wasn't until I met my uh, significant other that I learned or her family was passionate about cooking. Um, and I learned about all these different ingredients and how to cook properly a little bit, a little bit better. And that just lit the fire. And from then on, I've, I've constantly been exploring cooking and eating and, and I just love food. Hmm. Uh, Barry Enderwick in the chips with Barry. Okay. There's so many flavors of chips here. Chips flavors from around the world, yeah. country by country, most amazing. How, what, what, where do you, where do you start telling the story on this? Well, I think, you know, you look at uh, a place like uh, China and you may not like all the chips that, the flavors that come out of China, but you got to hand it to them for creativity. They've got uh, cherry milk flavored potato chips. They've got beer flavored potato chips. Uh, they've got cucumber flavored potato chips, but they also have ones like uh, the Sichuan peppercorn, uh, numb and, and spicy potato chips, which are brilliant. I love those. So 
<laughs> excuse me, when it comes to creativity and and uh, offerings, I think China China wins. Um, well, wait, wait, cucumber is um, yeah. Tell me about that because I mean, there there was uh, one in here. It was like a, a dill fish or something. That's strange, pickled but fish. I get yeah, pickled fish. Yeah, I did, yeah. so I like I, it's strange, but okay, I, I kind of get it. That taste makes sense. I mean, yeah. but cucumber. Well, that that's like taking a perfectly yummy idea and and dressing it up with broccoli, like making it be a vegetable. Why would you make a chip taste like a vegetable? Because that must add on guilt factor a hundred. One thing I've learned is that uh, just because something doesn't work for my palate doesn't mean it's uh, necessarily bad. Like for example, the cucumber chips, they really did nail the cucumber ch- flavor. It, it tastes like a cucumber. It's almost refreshing as a flavor. But it's not something I'm used to, and it's not something I'm really looking for uh, on a potato chip. But my understanding is, over in China, eating cucumbers during to keep cool during the summer is something that's done hmm. quite a bit. So I, I can see how, like culturally, of course, why wouldn't you put that on a chip? For me, that's not my, that was not my experience. So I'm like, ah, maybe not for me. But they did right. nail the flavor, and kudos to them for putting that on a chip. I mean, why not? Yeah. Well, I, okay, that makes sense, I suppose. And you know, and then there are just the local. Um, flavors like fish, I suppose. Uh, I mean, sure. they have fish sauce. Yeah, yeah. There's crispy fish skin from uh, oh. Singapore. There's a sa- Irwin's. Ooh, that gave me a shiver. Salted, salted egg. No, it's good. It's really good. It's actually salted egg yolk, uh, curry leaves, chili powder, or chili peppers, rather. Um, and it's just deep fried fish skin. And it's 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 a little bit greasy, but it's really quite good. Really? Yeah. Okay. Other places around the world, strange ones. Um, well, America's had some strange ones, like the uh, pumpkin pie uh, flavored chips. Um, that's wrong, boy, oh boy. <laughs> that was wrong. Like that's I cool. still think it's wrong in a latte, let alone on a chip. <laughs> uh, Walkers over in the UK. Um, I mean, they had one that was a uh, pigs in a blanket that was pretty brilliant. Really, but they also had Brussels sprouts, which uh, was no, was not okay, <laughs> not okay at all. So, um, yeah, Thailand has some great chips as well, some great flavors. Um, they tend to have um, more complex flavors, mm. like the SN Hot Pot and things like that. Mm, that makes sense. Um, okay, so now, you do people just send you these chips? How does this work? Because, I mean, I, I, I really want to send you one of these, uh, the uh, Cal and Gary's, these, these, the ugly chips I told you about, basically. The, okay. they're, they're like the overcooked brown ones. Yeah, yeah. Um, because they're, to me, they were always the prize in the chips, but now in today's world of marketing and continuity, they, they want to have every chip as perfect as it can be in the bag, so yep. they all look exactly the same. Well, these these guys are kind of like the ugly apples. Yeah. You know, when you, you got the, the odd market store or whatever that's going to give you just the um, the ugly apples. Right. For cheaper, right? That's it. But these chips are all got that brown sort of thing to them. So that's interesting. I yeah, love there's, that. there's a company in out of Pennsylvania called Diefenbox, I believe, and they have a sub brand called Uglies, and it's specifically for that to use potatoes that they can't they they don't consider good enough to be in their main line of potato chips. Yeah, which I find hilarious because once a potato chip's cooked, I'm not really looking at it going, "Ooh, what is this?" I'm like, unless it's black yeah. and burnt, I'm like, I'm just putting it in my mouth and eating it. Yeah. So I'm not really that snobby when it comes to potatoes. Get in my belly. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Um, I, in my scroll here while we're talking about that, uh, there was, I'm assuming it's Chinese one too, seaweed potato chips. Uh, that might have been, that could have been China. That could have been Japan. Yeah. Could have been Taiwan. Yeah, really, hey? Yeah. And nor- seaweed is actually, that's quite good. Really? That was, that was pretty tasty chip. Parmesan yeah. potato chips? That sounds good. Yes, that was quite good. Yeah. Um, chestnut? Not so much. That yeah. was kind of weird. Yeah, that was that was a little too. I don't know. It didn't work for my palate. Uh, uh, Maui onion—that's a popular flavor that we're starting to see kind of climb up more and more. Oh, that's been yeah. I was going to say that's been here in the states for a long, long time. Yeah. It's, it, it's good, but it's it's that's one of those flavors that I kind of avoid because it's ubiquitous. Every chip company seems to make a Maui onion. Every chip yeah. company makes uh, sees, uh, a salt and vinegar. Uh, barbecue, unless they're like a small company, the barbecue chips are all going to taste pretty close to the same. Yeah. Are we getting less flavor on the chips? Have you noticed that, by the way, that there's less and less flavoring on the chips? I always kind of call it like a shrinkflation yeah. um, thing. I, You know, I, it depends on the chip manufacturer to me. 
like Pringles in the United States is kind of hit or miss. If you look at it, half of the chip will be sprayed and the other half won't be. Yeah. And that's the way of distributing flavor. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. You got to, you got to take that and put it in their mouth the right way. Right. Like you've got right. to, you got to put the flavor down. Right. You do. Whereas like kettle brand does a great job of uh, having enough flavor on their chips. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Uh, so it depends. To me, it's more of a manufacturer dependent uh, huh. situation. All right. So the uh, cheeseburger, good flavor. Yeah. yeah. It tasted like a cheeseburger. It had mustard, cheese, had that grill flavor, a little bit of pickle. Really? It was pretty amazing. Surprising. All right. So flavors from Canada that you've learned or learned to love that you didn't have before. Uh, cause we've had, a, we have a long list of flavors in Canada. I think that are, that I think are unique to Canada and you can uh, confirm that here shortly. Uh, yeah, but yeah. W- what are the flavors from Canada that get you? Definitely all dressed. Absolutely Great. love all dressed. And I, I, I am surprised to, uh, to learn, or I was surprised to learn that ketchup flavored chips. Oh, it's beautiful. Ketchup, ketchup as a condiment is fine. I like it in combination with other stuff, but I would never think to just have ketchup on something by itself. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> Some Excuse places me. you should not put ketchup, by the way, but yeah, I will yeah. agree. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I was surprised, but no, I really enjoy the ketchup chips, um, for especially, you know, I just tasted some ketchup chips from Italy and they were just, the, the gold standard is Canada when uh-huh. it comes to ketchup flavored potato chips. And it was like not even close. That's so good. That's good. Yeah. Good compliment for us. Okay. List of uh, some of the Canadian uh, chips that are that are out there. If you like the cheeseburger, um, mm-hmm. how do you feel about the uh, poutine? Have you ever had poutine in general? I have never had poutine as a dish or as a chip. Really? I know. Shocking, right? Yeah, like that's life altering. By the way, I mean, how do you <laughs> how do you not? I mean, you've got cheese curds and gravy and all the yep. beautiful things. Well, I would say that it's not as common here in San Jose, California, as it might be up in Canada. Business opportunity. <laughs> Just saying. Which, I mean, we have a hockey team. You'd think we'd have poutine around as well. <laughs> you can get oh, poutine right. at the rink. Um, yeah. uh, which, by the way, uh, ironically, roast chicken is the next one. But now they take, there's poutineries here that they, they will take uh, a butter chicken or roast chicken and they will put that on top. And oh, so you wow. can actually have it as a meal with your poutine, you know, your poutine fries plus, um, you know, your protein on top, which is really I, good, by the way. I dig it. Down here in California, we have a carne asada fries. So What's that? Oh, it's basically fries smothered in uh, carne asada and then pico de gallo and uh, guacamole. Really? Oh, that yeah. actually sounds pretty good. That sounds like a lot like the um, the Taco Bell Supreme Fries or whatever. Just yeah, like a but- really, tr- like Taco Bell is like the trashy version of it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Taco Bell is the, I've had one too many beverages, adult beverages tonight. I need something to eat. Yeah, version. very cool. All right, so roast chicken in Canada is a thing. Sour cream and bacon, you have those? Uh, yes, we do have sour cream and bacon. Those are good. Okay, beautiful yeah. one is very special is the hickory stick. Love the hickory sticks. I've only had them once. Uh-huh. Uh, someone was kind enough to send them down from Canada, and they were delicious. I wish they sold them here. Incredibly hard to eat, though. Yes, messy. But uh, Miss Vicky's, the kettle cooked style of chip, I find them very, very crunchy. They're a little bit of a get used to it general flavor overall. Winner mm. for you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, I did the spicy dill pickle recently, and they were quite good. It's good. Jalapeno is quite good. Yeah. Uh, I understand they've got a spicy ketchup, which I need to get a hold of. Spicy ketchup, by the way, which I did try after we had the conversation about sandwiches. We talked about that. Yeah. I, I did go get it. I tried it, and um, you know what it actually tastes like? It actually tastes like ketchup and mustard. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I found it to be more familiar with like the mustard spice okay. with the ketchup, so it tastes a little bit more like that hot dog mix. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't hate that, but I do. I, I, I find that I one of the things I hold uh, I, the chips accountable to is do they nail the flavor that they say they're going to deliver? Right. right. And if if it still tastes good, but they don't nail the, the, the flavor, they, they get points deducted nonetheless, because right. I bought the bag. That's what I was expecting. Yeah. You didn't it tastes nothing like that, but it was good. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Canadian chips flavors, the uh, the hero, the gyro, the giro, the shawarma, the doner, called many names. Yes. I mean, I'm assuming you've had a doner in your life? I've had a doner in my life, yes, definitely. And I've had some doner chips, and they were quite good as well. Yeah, I like doner pizza. Just yeah. saying. Ooh, that would, I haven't had that. that would yeah, cool. doner meat on a pizza is very good. Also in Canada, lobster chips. That's yep. lobster, but really New Brunswick they come from. Yeah, from Covered Bridge. 
Absolutely. Wow, the fact that you remember that is amazing. <laughs> um, okay, so when we were kids, we used to get what we'd call swamp water, where you go to the fountain and you would mix all the flavors together in your cup. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. And then when you become an adult, it's kind of like the bar mat shot. You get the bartender to pour the bar mat into a shot glass. Uh, very similar theory with, uh, which is disgusting, by the way, very right. similar theory in the land of chips called storm chips. It's all the flavors. Yes, yes. But uh, it's interesting to me that the storm chips... There are four different chip, four different flavored chips in one bag, as opposed to all dress, which is four different flavors on all the chips. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's kind of it's it's, it's kind of like when it, with the storm chip approach is more like a I don't know like a slot machine where you're not sure what the results are going to be. Right. Right. So I, I thought that. that was pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Well, and it makes me think of um, like the Chicago mix, popcorn, cheese, caramel mix of things that that is you you look at it and everything about in your brain goes no way and then you eat it and you're like way yeah exactly exactly. apparently that's that we'll give that a thumbs up cool stuff okay all dress ketchup two of the other biggest flavors here in canada now some of the some of the chips aren't chips salty Mm -hmm. snacks made with other things you know doritos and and all of those out there How, how do those land with you uh, I actually really, really like Doritos. I like their iterations. I like their, their, the, the different things they do, like the Thai sweet chili, uh, the Cool Ranch. I just, I think they're really well done, mass-produced uh, tortilla chips. And yeah, I do other snacks too. Sometimes I'll do like these protein or pea protein-based crisps. Um, I'll do uh, rehydrated ones like Pringles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just had some uh, rehydrated potato-based chips from South Korea that were sort of like green pepper flavored they were delicious they were really? amazing yeah kind of like a hatch chili yeah see yeah. that sounds good um a lot of those salsa flavors and stuff would be really really good right like i can yeah. imagine that being uh really yeah. really good okay so there are corn-based ones here in canada we have a very special one very important it is the hawkins cheesy uh, oh, yeah. from belleville have you had the hawkins cheesy i have someone was kind enough to send some down and i loved it it was it was super crunchy a uh, little bit saltier than your like Cheeto. It, it was like an adult Cheeto, mm. crunchier, saltier, a little bit cheesier. I don't know. I, I loved them. I thought they were great. Yeah, the Cheeto, a cheese it, all of those fluffier. This is more dense. Yeah, we love it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a grown up version, grown up version, and a pretty cool uh, Canadian history story of when they started. Then they moved to Belleville. Then it burned down. Then they rebuilt it. All those things. So, awesome. turns out. And, and you can actually light one and use it to light a campfire if you need to. Could be why that factory burned down. Yeah, that's true. They were, they were testing it. Have you ever had uh, the bugles? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I the super, super salty bugles? Yes. That was high school. I, I probably ate way too many bugles. I love it. That was so my good. go-to in high school. I love it. That's my road trip food, man. That's my road trip snack. Right on. Okay, so in the spirit of the guilty pleasures, Barry Underwick, in the chips with Barry on Instagram and TikTok, if you want to follow along and see some of these flavors, it is really interesting. Um, So best guilty pleasure of all the guilty pleasures, if you had to pick one, only one for the rest of your life, what would be the guilty pleasure that Barry Underwick, the the chip and sandwich guy, is going to pick? Oh, this is tough. One guilty pleasure. I'm repeating the question to buy time, just so you know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What would be my guilty pleasure? It could be anything. Like, it doesn't have to be doesn't have to be just a, a chip, but just any guilty right, pleasure. Right, right, right. But there's so many things. Um, I would probably go popcorn with, uh, like, buttery, salty popcorn. That's probably one of mine. If I'm having a bad day yeah. or, or, or I've, I've got, you know, the relaxed night to watch a show. Yeah. You know, those kinds of things. I'm always going to migrate to the popcorn. I, I go to, I don't like going to movies except for the fact that the popcorn's amazing. Um, so I would say if, if okay, we're going to keep in the snack category. Yeah. Because there's other foods that I would like pizza or whatever that would. Yeah, we can't. I don't know if we can go into the, maybe I suppose like a cheeseburger, if that's a guilty pleasure, that can count. But I'd like for this one, I'd like to keep it in snack foods. Yeah, let's keep it in snack. Okay. So I'm going to do a sweet and a savory. Okay. Sweet. Is going to be uh, this caramelized hazelnut dark chocolate bar that I get that's uh, made down here in California that's just amazing and delicious and rich, and you don't have to have a lot to really feel satisfied by it. Mm-hmm. Um, for the salty, believe it or not, I'm going to go with Ruffles uh, sea-salted uh, chips. Something, 
magic about the basics, right? Yeah, you can just you can you can put them in sandwiches. You could dip uh, dip it in all kinds of things. It, it really takes flavor well. So uh, that would be my guilty pleasure. Classic Lay's, man. I get the marketing. I bet you can only buy one or whatever that marketing was. <laughs> well, that's that's Lay's, not Ruffles. I'm going Ruffles. Uh, yeah, I'm saying Classic Lay's was like the, oh, wow, that's your that's your go to. Well, I think for the basics, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. a good one. I mean, there's. You know, if you're at a party and, and you know, that's the one that gets you is the, the, the classics sometimes. Yeah, that's true. I love it. Okay, so you can check out everything in the chips with Barry. Also on there is a link to if you want to have a T-shirt with Barry's face on it. You can do that. <laughs> um, you can never change your glasses or beard or nothing. Nope. <laughs> I love it. Uh, make sure you uh, check it out. So there's more to be chatted about, and we will continue the conversation. There's, of course, um, Barry's Ice Cream O'Clock. Yep. Uh, craft beer berry and uh, all of the things that your doctor gets mad at you for um, but hey why not um, have some fun with it Barry this is awesome thanks for sharing the insight on these guilty pleasures and these snacks uh, here on the shift I appreciate it bud. Oh, thank you so much for having me on it's been a, a ton of fun this is the shift podcast let's uh, get started here with Greg Fish welcome welcome to the world of weird things with Greg Fish. All right, Fishy, were you a big Chris Gaines fan? I completely forgot that he existed until you just reminded me with that story. I didn't even know that there was actually a promo for a movie. Yeah, yeah, I remember because I was working rock radio at the time and everybody were, everyone was so torn about, can we play Garth Brooks on the radio and call him Chris Gaines and have people still have our rock credibility? That was the, that was the problem back then. Anyway, uh, Greg Fish joins us from California, and Greg Fish is uh, weird. And also, Greg Fish, I want to know, uh, since we're talking about the snacky snacks, what is your favorite guilty pleasure snack? It's Good News Tuesday, so it feels like good news to have the snacky snacks. We have a potato chip expert coming up here in just a little bit after you're on. So um, maybe it's flavor of potato chips, favorite saltier sweet snack. Uh, where, where does that go with Greg Fish? Oh God! Uh, I I am a man who enjoys his snacks. Uh, so I, I there's 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 a fair bit of variety. It's very difficult. For oh, me well, here to let me create the scenario then for you before you continue. So okay. it's been a tough day of uh, writing computer code. Uh, you mm-hmm. recorded your podcast for theworldofweirdthings.com, and you're like, oh man, you know what? What a good day. You know what would just put this day over the top? I'm gonna sit down. I'm gonna turn on my favorite show, and I'm going to snack on. Uh, you know what? I have to go with just like good classic potato chips, like a nice, like a nice little, uh, tube of Pringles. Ooh, Pringles. I know it's, I know it's, it's, I know it's not the fanciest thing, but sometimes the basics are just, just hit just right. That's right. What flavor of Pringles? Just the, the original one, because the the other ones, they're a little, yeah, they're a little, they try a little too hard with the artificial flavoring, so you kind of get that that little plasticky feeling in your mouth. So, do you flip the because Pringles are unique in that the flavors on one side? Do you flip the chip and get the flavor side down? Are you that much of an expert? I actually do. Good. See, we're all just normal people flipping our chips to get more salt on our tongue. It's just that simple. Uh, exactly. Okay, so we're going to have our guest coming up here shortly, chatting about the snacks potato chips from around the world first though let's get into something that is way weirder than that with greg fish and this world of weird things article now fish when we talk about you the things you write sometimes i just shake my head and this is one of those times where i shake my head because um oh man i lost it again the universe's axis of evil and why the cosmos is askew is the headline on your site what the hell well i feel like on tiktok what the hell well, what the hell is that our universe is lopsided? Apparently, maybe, we think, possibly. So, unless it's getting bigger or smaller. Yes, that's also a question. So, let's let's get into the basics. Okay. Whenever we study cosmos, when we actually look at the science of cosmology, which is the entire universe, it's at the scale where galaxies are just these tiny tiny little dots in the grand scheme of things. There's something known as the cosmological principle, which is that um, at any point in the universe, 
you're going to see kind of the same thing. The laws will work the same way. The physics will work the same way. If you could actually figure out where the center of the universe is, where everything got started, and you were somehow to be able to navigate to it, and it, there's a big question if it's possible or not, um, but if you were to actually get there, you would see pretty much exactly the same thing you would see pretty much anywhere else in the cosmos like it's not going to look any it's not going to look like anything special so with that in mind we kind of get this this idea that hey the cosmos is pretty much all the same it's all it's it's homogenous it expands in the same in this in all directions at the same speed uh, and that dictates certain laws of physics that we think we all have to obey the problem is that we don't necessarily know if that's completely true because one of the things that we use to understand how the universe is shaped is something called the cosmic microwave background radiation or CMBR, the the shock wave of the Big Bang. So when you turn on your TV and you get that static, that's it. Well, a small part of it, but yeah, you're kind of getting that noise from the beginning of the universe. When we map that across the sky, we see little variations in how this noise is occurring, and then when we plot our univ- our um, the the uh, in basically the entire sky, the entire universe as we see it, and then when we plot in that projection the orbital plane of our solar system, we can basically say, hey, the night sky on one side looks like this, and the night sky on the other side looks like that. And ideally, if our thought about the universe holds true then those two sides should be the same. They should look fairly uniform because, again, if we live in a closed universe with there nothing, there's nothing interacting with it, there's nothing weird going on with it, entropy should essentially just kind of make it all pretty staticky, pretty even everywhere we look. But as you can probably tell by now, that's not what happens. Okay. <laughs> Yes. So what's <laughs> it's, so what's going oh, on? This is a big holy fishy. Okay, yeah. keep going. No, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm 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 working hard here. Okay. Yeah. So so it's it's slightly different in in different parts of the sky, which is why one of one astronomer who really wanted to bring the problem to light because it kept recurring with different measurements and different studies, basically called the plane of our, our solar system projected on these uh, CMBR maps, the axis of evil, because it keeps oh. highlighting the problem. And there's actually been some recent studies where they've, they've looked at, they map different uh, galaxy clusters, like entire galaxy clusters, and they, and they mapped almost a thousand of them. And sure enough, in one part of the sky, they're dimmer and farther away than they should be, according to our models. And another, they're closer and brighter than they need to be. And okay. these are big, and these are big, big features. So the question then becomes: Is our universe actually lopsided from what we think it is? And does it mean that we have the shape of the universe wrong? And if we have the shape of the universe wrong, does this mean that we don't quite understand? how the cosmos is is evolving or whether we have okay. we live in a closed or an open system okay so yeah keystoning is kind of what comes to mind for me um that sometimes uh keystoning is you know one of those things that you know when you see when you project a projector on the wall or a light the shape changes and it looks like that keystone shape because it's it's still all the same distance apart, but because of the angles, funny. This one looks bigger. That one looks smaller, right? And and so on. Is are, is that what we're talking about here? Is that maybe the universe is kind of stretched out like a keystone projection, as not necessarily this disc? Well, we don't know. That's the thing. It's kind of we just know that it's kind of warped a little bit, just enough for us to start noticing it. And the there's truth? different. And, and there's really different explanations about how what how this could happen um, and try kind of try to explain it and, and put the cosmological uh, principle back in control. The first explanation is that well maybe we, because we can't see the entire observable universe um, then on the on the even bigger scales this somehow balances out but that's a problem because you can't just say oh well the stuff that we can't see balances it all out how do you know? We can't see it. We're, we're not like we're physically unable to see it. So you can't use that as an excuse. Um, and the other argument has been, well, if you maybe this equipment is super sensitive 
Um, so maybe there's a slight problem here and there. Maybe we don't have equipment sensitive enough. And maybe if we keep measuring with more and better tools, this will go away. Well, the problem is we keep measuring and that's still there. The anomalies are still there and we're actually finding new ones. Some of them we can't explain as, okay, well, this is a, this is just uh, bad math or an artifact or something like that. But others we can't and they just keep compounding. And then on top of that, we also have to keep in mind that there's only so much precision that our tools can even theoretically have because then you start dealing with quantum mechanics and the whole thing of like, how sure are you that the atom is exactly where you think it is because of all sorts of different quantum effects. Like we then we start getting into like all sorts of very complicated and convoluted theories that fall under the headline of something known as Laplace's demon, which is essentially the science of how do you know how can you know everything? The do the mathematics of trying to work of knowing everything actually even work out. So there's only so much more that we can push our tools before the laws of physics stop our precision. The anomalies are still there, so we're going to need something that's a little bit more robust to explain it. So this is a lot of words to say we don't seem to really know what the shape of the universe is. So the question is, what's the point of all of this? Like, why do why should you care? Like, you sitting at home or on the road listening to this, why do you care about any of this? Because mm. let's put it this way. It's okay to say that you don't know something and try to find out and then understanding that maybe you will never get an answer or you'll never get a satisfactory answer. And while it's very easy to say that from a standpoint of something large and scientific like this, it does really boil down to our individual beliefs because there are people who are perfectly fine with novelty and they say, okay, well, life's a journey. I'm going to try and figure out uh, what is it that I'm I'm going to do in life and maybe I'll never find all the answers, but I'm going to have fun doing it. And then there are people who say, I need a purpose. I need everything spelled out for me. Uh, not knowing things is simply not something that I will accept. Um, yeah. And you, yeah, and, and you, and, and this is something that when you tell them, well, we don't really know what shape of, what shape the universe is, um, they'll say, well, if you don't know something is basically that, why should I believe any of this? And the reason is you should, because all the other math works out, all the other experiments work out, everything else we've 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 proven very well. Because this, you know, this issue with the shape of the universe and exactly how lopsided or open or closed it is doesn't affect the Newtonian physics that we encounter in our everyday life. It doesn't affect the uh, general relativity and special relativity that we would encounter in deep space and moving at very high speeds or things that we use for communications and have to correct for those effects. Mm-hmm. All of these are still in effect. It's just that we have to recognize that, you know, life is life is a journey and we're not going to see the end. We're not going to see all of the answers. It's just always going to there's always going to be more to learn. And that's okay, we need to learn to accept that. And if we can accept that from the standpoint of, well, maybe we don't really know why we're here and maybe we'll never know and maybe it's up to us to make the meaning, it really does then boil down into your everyday life. Because if something like that is a mystery, that kind of shifts your priorities. If you start thinking about things like that, if you start wondering about all the things you can discover, all the things you can learn, um, and, and how big some of the problems are that we have yet to discover are a lot of the petty crap that we waste our our day-to-day concerns with kind of seem very irrelevant and and silly and and in the way um you are all of a sudden starting to think well maybe there's different ways to do these things that i'm used to doing because in the end we we have to like nothing's predetermined we have to make the best of what we have so this is kind of so basically, it's it's essentially it's all it's applying the scientific method, the whole process of learning, discovering, forming hypotheses, testing them out, and then trying new and different things until you get closer to where you want to be, and apply that to your daily life. So okay, like this is so hard to to get a grip on, right? Because it is so almost mystical, but yet there are there are pieces and people that study this all the time. Now we always try to take something like space and maybe this is the answer. We try to take something like space and use the example that I, I gave about keystoning 
is that we try so hard to try to put it into context of what we know. And it, I guess what I'm accepting in all of this is that it really is a blind spot. The, the classic uh, existential study part would be we don't know what we don't know. And we so we don't even know what we don't even know, let alone in life we know what we don't know. We know right what we need to learn. So that I find that um, both complicated and reassuring at the same time. Is is it one of these things that you know fundamentally scientists are always going to start to try to find their way to figure it out? Should we just sit in the gratitude of? By the way we're just floating on a rock in space and we have air to breathe today and we haven't had this life altering meteorite hit the earth and we should probably just be nice to each other and be grateful. I mean, I feel like that's, that's kind of where this all goes to. Yep. It, that's exactly where it goes. It all goes to. And you're right. This is all very big and existential and overwhelming. And it feels like there's a lot of things that, that are just kind of these big question marks and and so studying this sort of thing, learning about this sort of thing, means accepting that you're not going to have all the answers, possibly ever, and that yeah. it's fine. You just have to keep trying to do your best. I feel like we don't have any of the answers when you talk about it that way, like truly. Uh, I would dispute that. We definitely have a lot of really good answers to a lot of really complicated questions. Otherwise, you know, all of the modern world wouldn't exist. You know, we'd still be driving, uh, we'd still be riding horses and 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 using, you know, campfires for light. Uh, otherwise, mm-hmm. we, you know, otherwise that it it wouldn't work. But there's just there's so much still to go. There's so many things that we still have left to do. And when you have people who are so many people who are so focused on turning back the clock, on trying to, to on trying to kind of retreat into where they feel comfortable because these they look at these big complicated things and they feel so overwhelmed and so angry with the change and they just, just want to go back to where everything was comfortable, they understood everything, and everyone needs to leave them alone and just do what they say and everything will be fine. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work that way. The universe doesn't work that way. Entropy doesn't work that way. They can't just declare, well, what we're going to do is we're all just going back and this is how society is going to be run because that's how I feel comfortable. That doesn't work. That has never worked in the history of humanity and it will never work in the future. That's just all right. there's to it. Well, certainty and comfort, one and the same, if you will. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of, I think what you're getting at is that with all of these things going on, I mean, we try to live in this place where it's righteousness, frankly, and it is at the core of what is righteousness. And you're welcome to interpret that as a, as a faith statement, because typically righteousness is around, uh, being right. And while what is faith, faith is typically trying to put righteousness onto the mystical experiences of the world with no explanation behind it. Um, and I, that's not me sliding on faith. I'm just speaking about it pragmatically about what it is. And, and so, you know, is that where we're landing here, fish? Is that, you know, with all of these things and, and, you know, we've got a, we got a tilted universe that we don't understand that's maybe twisty and turny and it's not a grid like we like to think it is. It's not a spreadsheet. It's not grid paper where we can just block it out that maybe it's got stretches in time here and distances stretched there and all these weird things going on that we just at this point can't even, fathom what it is and therefore our our righteousness and our egos kind of kicking in exactly it it really all comes down to the fact that it's not that nobody knows anything we know a lot of things as as a species as individuals we know a lot of things but nobody knows everything so have some humility as a very limited uh was a very limited sack of carbon and several other atoms and chemicals with a very finite lifespan and act like you have that humility or at least try. And that's really mm-hmm. kind of what I think is, is, is one of the best lessons that we can learn when we look at these really grandiose problems in science. Humility. Yeah, we really, I mean, if you look at the time alone, timeline is, uh, you know, just a construct of man in general. But really, when you look at the amount of time that we occupy space in our meat sacks on this planet is such a drop in the ocean of time as the universe occupies. We probably should take our, our ego and, like you said, humility 
on that same scale. I would, I guess. Exactly. Our life expectancy right. is in in the um, in the industrialized world. It's in the low to mid eighties right now, depending mm. on exactly where you are. Um, at the, at best, there are yeah. humans have been around for about. 200,000 years or so as we understand it and a typical age of a species is between 1 and 2 million years so we are very much at the beginning of like the human story and it's entirely possible that some of the mo- some of the most successful species on earth have lived around for about 10 million years so we're at the very dawn of humanity potentially and yeah. and to con- to have that conceit that oh, we're going to see the end times and we live in an age where we know the universe and we know everything and, and we have all the answers and we know exactly how you have to lead your life and how and, and how things will turn out. You don't. You, you, you just yeah. don't. And you and if you really do believe that you're just you're just deluding yourself. Well, isn't it ironic that we're going to look other generations are going to look back on us and call us cavemen one day? Oh, yeah much as we do too. Greg Fish, worldofweirdthings.com. I'll put the link up at shiftheads.ca so you can check it out as well. Thanks for being here, Fishy. Always a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and curiouscast.ca.